Good morning, everyone. I've got officials with the Juno School District joining me today. Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss is here in the studio, and Board President Dr. Ebet Sidden is on the line. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Ebet. Good morning. Well, we're coming off the heels of the reversal on required masking per an already existing board policy that called for the masking when CDC or city data reported high COVID risk in the community. I understand the policy says to follow CDC guidance, but determining district guidance on metrics from the CDC was a different story. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, We did hold a meeting on Tuesday night in response to that change in the CDC community level that was triggered on April 21st. And I think it's important, you know, for folks who maybe haven't been following this as closely, that CDC metric um, triggered us into high based on the combination of two metrics. The first is based on our new COVID cases uh, in a seven day period. And Juno, that is Juno specific data. And we have been and continue to be in the higher of those two categories. From there, what happened then is the second metric kicked in and that is the new hospital admissions in a seven day period. And when that tricked into high, um, you know, a lot of people maybe were surprised. And we did a lot of uh, information finding over the weekend, you know, talking with uh, CBJ officials, talking with Juno Public Health, talking with Bartlett Regional Hospital, and discovering that uh, CDC had, had in fact changed the way they aggregated the underlying data for that metric. And that that metric includes a broader health service area that includes hospitals between Petersburg and Yakutat. And so that one is not a Juno-specific metric. And that is where uh, the board opted to reconsider then how we implement locally uh, a mask requirement. And so the board did revise our mask policy to reflect uh, a more strategic, more targeted response to known COVID cases in our buildings. And it reflects the way that we had been operating um, to our mask optional policy that was in place starting April 4th, which is to, uh, you know, really respond to known cases in terms of close contacts, to continue masking around high-risk individuals per CDC recommendations. And, And from there, we would build out concentrically that if we needed to, into classrooms or into buildings. Um, but not in more of a broader district-wide response way. And so, Bridget, what did that mean on your end? Because you have this board policy. The CDC metric was saying COVID risk was high. What was your reaction when this was starting to develop? So we were definitely caught in a a bit between a rock and a hard place, uh, both in terms of the timing of the switch to red and uh, and not having the opportunity then to get the information really together quickly enough for the board to change their existing policy. So we had a policy in place that required masks when uh, the CDC or CBJ's alert level went red. And we had that happen with with the CDC data. We really anticipated that those two alert levels always being the same, congruent, correlated, right, correlated, and. I, ironically, it happened where they were not. And so, but we also had this existing board policy. So we had a couple of days in our schools that were less than ideal 
we tried to focus on student learning, keep kids in school. We knew that we, while we had had really good compliance with mask wearing up until we changed the mask policy on April 4th, that we would likely not have the same level of compliance on Monday of this week. And so that was a real challenge for our buildings. Uh, we did not want to send kids home, yet we had a policy in place. So it was a couple of days of just doing the best that we could. It was definitely disruptive at some sites, um, but uh, we tried to focus on learning, focus on keeping kids in class and at school uh, wherever possible. And I, I know everyone was relieved Tuesday night when uh, the board made a decision so that we could have really good clarity because part of the problem early in the week was just the ambiguity. And, and so hopefully um, I know that as in all things COVID, there are many opinions on many sides of, of everything, whether we should mask or not is one of those things. Uh, but I know everyone appreciates having uh, a policy that's clear that we can implement. And this particular uh, policy is very adaptive and, and mobile uh, depending on individual situations, which is where we're at as we grow out of this pandemic. We can be more responsive to specific situations. So, Ebet, I'll come to you. What do you think will be the future of this policy since the Juno EOC is closing out and COVID data will be shifted over from state metrics? Yeah, it's a great question, Kevin, and actually one I've sort of been asking myself as we start to look ahead for summer school. Uh, you know, it's exciting to think about kindergarten registration for next fall. Um, those are questions we'll have to face about, you know, whether this we the sunsets and and we have we go back to a, a situation where we have no formal mask policy but we still obviously would you know any individual has an opportunity or an option to mask if they feel they want to or need to i, I don't know i can't speak we have not talked about that as a board in terms of where we'll be headed really long term so on other matters, you've sent a $28 million budget request to the city as part of the city's local contribution to education. Where are we at in this process? I understand the Assembly's Finance Committee discussed your budget. Yeah, so we have, as a board, we finalized our budget for FY23. The process is then that it goes in front of the Assembly for our that formal budget request to the assembly. So uh, we presented it to them, gosh, two weeks ago now, I think, um, and yeah, to their finance committee, answered questions they may have about some of the parameters in our budget. Um, and so it is moving through the assembly's process. Uh, as always, we like, to, we like to publicly thank and acknowledge the assembly support, the community support for our schools. Um, and then we're also watching really closely some of the state level um, legislative bills that are also ongoing, sort of underlying all of the conversations around budgets um, that, that do have an impact or could have an impact for our budget and, and the city and borough and of CBJ's uh, support of our schools. So you've got less state contribution and more possibly local contribution due to higher assessed property values. The city has funded to the maximum amount in the past. Do you think that will hold true this time? We certainly hope so. That is, of course, our request that they continue to support our students to the maximum cap that they that they can. Uh, they have historically. They, I think we have an assembly that 
that recognizes uh, the role of our schools in our community and has supported our students. So we do hope that continues. And how do you feel about school maintenance projects? Uh, I remember that list. It only seems to grow each year. That definitely continues to be an ongoing conversation that we have uh, with the assembly about, you know, we have a, a long list of small scale maintenance projects that continue to, that list continues to grow and we continue to chip away at the top of it and it grows down the bottom of the list. And underlying that we have major maintenance projects that continue to sit out there as, you know, just bigger projects that need to be, you know, big decisions need to be made about whether we tackle those in their entirety, whether we tackle those in pieces, whether they, they are really at a state that they can be tackled in pieces anymore. Um, and again, one of those underlying questions that lies out there is a house bill uh, that would reinstate the uh, school bond debt reimbursement program to help mun- municipalities in the maintenance costs of their buildings. Very good. So the Riverbend rename proposal to Coxtagu Ean, translated to going back to Clearwater, was presented in first reading at the most recent board meeting. What do you think of the plan to have the name become the new full name? Yeah, this is, you know, we've had several um, name, gifted names come in front of the school board during my tenure on the school board. This is a new situation where the proposal from from the school um, and is to rename the school, not to augment the current name. And I think that's a layer to the decision that we have in front of us. Um, but I will say after the first reading uh, and listening to public comment, one of the things the board will do is uh, have that conversation occur through our Native Education Advisory Committee um, for further discussion, you know, to have those sort of longer conversations about what that means to rename instead of augment and, um, and then bring it back to the board in final reading. So, Bridget, logistically, how would this work? Because let's say the name was approved. Mm -hmm. What happens after that? So what we have done in the past, even with augmented names, is... Mm -hmm. The hyphenated uh, names. The hyphenated names, yes. Um, We just... The school begins to, you know, use that name in in their literature, you know, in their newsletters, on their website. Um, We... um, in their gear, you know, so even like at our at our Juno Douglas High School, you'll see some cross-country jerseys and different things. Their masks now have, you know, have the augmented name, the hyphenated name. So we start using it. Then there's really some formal things we do as well because our schools are all registered with our Department of Education. And so we submit a letter that has those official name, name changes there so that all those records can be adjusted as well. Um, the school has been working on this, as you would imagine, for a long time. And it has been through many stages of work at the school level where they've invited families in they've um, the kids are learning the name uh, they have they understand what the word means and why they know the story behind that gifted name uh, so there's been already a lot of that work happening uh, and then um, once it is official then they start using it you know uh, more uh, on their written things and and so forth okay and also at that meeting was the cultural regalia policy that would allow cultural regalia to be worn 
at graduation the difference is is that this time it'd be put in policy but it was sent back to committee for future work what needed to be addressed i think that was another example of wanting to make sure the board's intention is what is codified in that policy and that we are doing you know our intention is to do good with that policy but we want to make sure we aren't in inadvertently sort of one step forward, two steps back. Uh, and that's another example, I think, of something that will also be on the agenda for the Native Education Advisory Committee um, and or back through the policy committee, which is where it started uh, before it comes back to the board in final reading. Not because there's, you know, potentially not support for it, but that there is there is unanimous support for getting it right. So, so both these are going to the Native Education Advisory Council? That is my understanding, yes, before they come back uh, to the board for final reading. Okay. And what update might either of you have for us on contract negotiations with the three unions? Sure, we, we do have three unions. We have a union for our uh, support staff, uh, one for our certificated staff, and then one for our administrators. And every three years, we're on a cycle to review and renegotiate contracts with each of these three groups. So uh, we are uh, we generally go through those. There's usually some overlap, but we do kind of one at a time. So we're we are near conclusion on the support staff. We're furthest along on the support staff contract, and uh, we have begun negotiations with our certificated staff. And so these are conversations that take a lot of time. Uh, really, they're important for both administration and for the union uh, employee groups because it gives us a chance to really clarify what's in those contracts, uh, make adjustments to those contracts if things aren't working well for us, um, and then look at negotiate at, at sorry at compensation. So those are there's a lot of really good work that happens through the process, very time consuming. Um, we always want those to be wrapped up before the current contract expires, which is June 30th. Uh, so we will attempt that. Uh, sometimes that doesn't happen. Uh, usually it does. And, and that's always our goal is to finish um, that those all of those negotiations prior to the new um, prior to the negotiations expiring or the contracts expiring. All right. Well, we'll be back with info on the closeout of the school year and graduation after the break. So stay tuned. And we're back with Juno District Board President Dr. Ebet Sidden and Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss. Prom's coming up for high school students. What's the latest? We are just so excited to be heading into these spring activities and um uh, both of our high schools are um, planning prom. Uh, they are at different stages of that, but but they are, you know, students are excited. Spring has been disrupted a couple of years now in a row. So uh, we have students who may never have gone to a prom. Uh, and uh, so uh, they're just, the students are excited. We're excited. Um, we are, you know, looking at mitigation uh, differently now than we were a year ago. And last year we actually had a prom at one of our schools, uh, one of our high schools, and it went very well. Uh, at that time, kids were masked and uh, they were still 
very happy to be at prom and all dressed up and and spending time with their friends and so that was something i wanted to ask you how will this this year's be different from that one we will use uh whatever mitigation is in action you know in policy at that time we'll follow whether it's a city um, requirement or a school requirement. We anticipate at this point, given our current policy, uh, that masks would be optional uh, at those events. Uh, it would take something, you know, extraordinary uh, to change that, but there is that slight possibility. But what we do see is the way our policy is written, uh, it will be very responsive to specific situations that might call for something. So, um, but otherwise, uh, we anticipate masks being optional. Um, our uh, graduation, you mentioned graduation earlier, uh, same thing there. It is held on our school ground, so our board policy applies, so masks will be optional. Um, those are all on the 29th, and we're really shifting back this year to... That's, that's TM and JD? Yep, and Yakuske Dakahiti. All three are on the May, 29th. May, May 29th. May 29th, sorry. Okay. Yes, not tomorrow, <laughs> not tomorrow. Okay, just to Although, make sure. Although, you know, there's probably people that would be cheering if I could say we're going to do graduation tomorrow but but that's going to be may 29th uh, the sunday of of memorial day weekend and we're going back to fairly classic style other than there probably be some masks because they'll be optional but we'll do all three graduations that sunday uh, they will be indoors although many people me included loved those outdoor ceremonies and we got lucky with the weather yeah. uh, but we can't really count on that every year so we are going to do them as sort of typically done pre-COVID and so we're super excited about that and I know we have some students that have some testified Tuesday night I've heard others um, speak about why they're wearing masks now because they don't want to sacrifice those activities those things and that's a personal choice and um, and and good on them for thinking through that and making a personal choice Um, but at, at this point we believe that those activities will happen and that masks will be optional. Well, let's not forget about summer school. What might folks need to know about those preparations? Yeah, we are working hard again to design uh, summer activities for students. If a parent wants to know more information on what their student uh, might be able to participate in, they can contact their schools. Each school, because it's each level as well, has different information. So contact your child's school if you want some information. At high school, we do a lot of credit recovery, a credit completion type of summer school. Um, and at elementary and middle, it looks a little different. So contact your school. We also will be offering rally again this summer. We'll have an in-town location, uh, a valley location, and uh, Um, That's a really great way to have care for your children during the summer while you're working. And uh, if they go to the website, uh, if a parent is interested in getting more information on Summer Rally, they can go to the website. There's a yellow block labeled there. And if they click on that block, it'll open up and they'll get all kinds of information. And what about the kinders? When can families start enrolling them? now yesterday yes it is open for registration so um, if they contact their neighborhood school then um, they can get all the information they need to do that and you know there's a lot of planning that goes into August and being ready with staffing and classrooms and so sooner is better for us uh, for for families to register their kinders and so uh, we would love parents to to do that and um, 
and if they aren't sure for some reason, sometimes we have people moving into town uh, that aren't sure which their neighborhood school is, they're welcome to call the district office and we'll help them and get them the information. Okay. And there is some information on our website as well. Well, that's all from me today. Are there any other matters either of you'd like to bring to the attention of folks before we close out? I think one one thing I will just mention and is that we are um, in the process of hiring a new principal for our Juno Community Charter School. So we should have an announcement there in the next uh, sometime in the next week. Uh, and so that's exciting to bring a new leader uh, into our our school district. Um, and then really just lastly for me, Kevin, I just want to say thank you again to our community. Uh, you know, everyone, I think. Uh, everyone is is tired and uh, has just really um, been asked a lot of in the last couple of years. And so I just want to thank Juno community uh, for their support and for their patience and for all that the community is really doing for our children. And, and the school district plays a really vital role. We can't do it alone. Our assembly plays a vital role uh, and our community and our families do. So I just, uh, and our staff, I, I also want to say thank you too because our staff has given so much uh, throughout this last year and we're running into, uh, in, you know, in toward the finish line here for this school year. So I think I just really want to say thank you for the enormous work that all of our staff, our administrators, our teachers, our classified staff has done um, really to lift up our students and families all year. It has been a big lift this year, and, and I, I appreciate each of them. Well, what say you, Ebet? Anything to add? You know, I was going to add a similar sentiment as Dr. Weiss, just, you know, as, as a board member, I guess the only other layer I'll add is, you know, we recognize that there, we are seven people and we have this um, responsibility to make these decisions for the whole community and and we take it really seriously and we um, just appreciate the community providing input to us you know from family perspective from student perspective from staff perspective um, and I appreciate those in the community who took our phone calls over the weekend to help us better understand really the situation on the ground here and um, for coming together, you know, helping us to prepare and be ready for Tuesday's meeting. So, um, you know, I hope people feel heard. I always think, you know, as a parent myself, uh, that would be the most frustrating part to feel, you know, we may disagree, but we are advocating for what we think is best for our kids. And, and to feel like you weren't heard would be the most frustrating, you know, on top of uh, whatever the issue may be. So you are, I want people to know that they are heard and we are responding and, and really doing what we can for our students and our staff. So thank you. Well, thank you too. The sun's out, so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll let you go, but that's the program. So thank you all for joining us. It's a sunny April 29th today. Come back next time on Action Line for the latest from Alaska's newsmakers.